Good morning, church. Christmas is a time for worship, and we are going to just kick off this service with a song of worship. It's number seven in your songbook, Christmas for the Songs for the Christmas season, that is. And we invite you to stand together as we begin with a joyful note of worship and praise to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Angels from the realms of glory. Let's all stand together as we sing. Angels from the realms of glory, bring your flight o'er all the earth. He who sang creation story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. beautiful this morning as we worship our Lord. Remain standing as Pastor Jerry opens in prayer. Shall we pray? Oh God, our Heavenly Father, we count it a privilege this morning that we can gather together in this place set aside for corporate worship to lift your name in praise and adoration. We thank you that we have the privilege here in our Bahama land for freedom of worship. And as we have come today, our Father, we ask for a special blessing from you. We ask that you would bless us as we lift our voices in song and in adoration to you as we gather around your table and we remember what you have done, especially to each and every one of us. May it be a special time. And for your word as it goes forth today by Brother Brad, we ask, Lord, that as it goes, it would bring forth much fruit. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As is customary 
here at Calvary on the first Sunday of each month, we gather around the Lord's table. And what a privilege we have. Each time we have this privilege to gather and to be in obedience to what our Lord has asked us to do, we should count it a privilege, a blessing. Many of God's people who live in countries where their faith is not allowed to be in the open, they cannot gather such as this. They have to gather secretly and to remember the Lord. We can gather openly and remember what he has done for us. And as we look around us today and we see the beautiful decorations of the Christmas season, we cannot celebrate Christmas. Truly, we cannot celebrate Christmas unless we celebrate first our Lord's death and resurrection. And so we have a privilege today. I want to read a familiar portion of scripture, one that we always read, but I think we need to be reminded of the instructions from the word of God as we go into this service. First Corinthians chapter 11, beginning to read at verse 23. <clears throat> For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he come. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we will not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that he will not be condemned, so that we will not be condemned with the world. We're going to have a time as we prayerfully bow in self-examination. We say many times. One must examine oneself. As we bow in the presence of an holy God, a righteous God, as we examine ourselves, and if we have any sense to confess, this is the time that we can confess it. This 
Examination is not to prevent us from partaking of the element, but it's to assist us. So as we partake, the Lord will be honored and glorified. Let us just have a few moments of self-examination. And he asked the men that are serving if they would come forward at this time. to die, our Savior. Lord, 
As the men return to the front with the elements, if you were missed and would like to participate, just raise a hand and they will be sure to serve you on their way back to the front. As we continue in our worship, giving thanks to our Savior.
Our Father, we are indeed so very grateful to you for sending your Son. And Jesus, we are indeed grateful to you, and we will forever be grateful. Thank you for giving your body on that rugged cross for us. Lord, and as we hold this bread in our hands, we think about the agony, the torture that your body would have gone through. And while all of this was taking place, we were on your mind. We thank you for this special occasion where we can remember. Because, Lord, we do forget. And thank you for asking us, Ted, as often as we come together, to remember what you did for us. And so with grateful hearts, Lord, we are indeed expressing our gratitude to you for what you did for us on Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, this, this is a privilege for us, and uh, let us count it a joy to be able to partake of this bread in memory of our Savior's love. Let us eat it together. Father, as we come to you, we sure are grateful for your eternal love for us. And Father, we thank you most of all for your precious shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Man tries many ways to get to you through works, through deeds, through being honest, through being pure. Many ways man tries to get to you, but there's no way except through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and through him. And Father, we thank you for him. We thank you that we can come and remember you at this time of year, the birth of your son. We thank you, Father, for everything you've done and for what you're going to do. And we commit this day to you now. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. As we take this cup, representing the blood of Jesus, the scripture says, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all, A-L-L, all sins, let us drink the cup together. just um, handed to me. Um, anybody who has a car parked on the Wilmac property, they will be towing it away. Sorry.
as we are joined together in worship to our great God. I want to take this opportunity to welcome each and every one of you here. And I'm wondering if we, I, if we have anyone here today for the very first time. No names have been turned in, but if you're visiting Calvary for the very first time, would you raise an hand indicating so? We'd like to recognize you. No one. Brother Brad. Oh, one. Okay. Let's give it all Calvary Valley. I was beginning to wonder if I was going to go for three. 
<laughs> the last couple of times I've been up here, we didn't seem to have any first-time visitors. Uh, we do have a couple of announcements that we would like to make. And um, just before the children leave for junior church, uh, we've been asked that to ask our folks not to park in Wilmack's parking lot because your car will be towed away. We have parking here at this north side and the south side in the parking lot, and we have parking lot here on West Avenue. Um, so please let us try and not cause problems with our neighbors across the road and do not park in their parking lot. Also, I've been advised that the fundraiser at, at the Adventure Learning Center this coming weekend has been canceled. Um, the young lady, Samantha Rob, has already uh, gone on to Florida, as I understand it. And last but not least, when the service is ended today, the man will be at the four exits as you leave so you can sign up for the Micro 3 project. Now at this time, the young people will leave for their junior churches and you're invited to greet each other with a love and kiss. <laughs> another announcement. Um, when you start making announcements, let me see. Uh, Sister Eleanor wants to meet with those who are in the um, manger scene. Yeah, in the care kitchen. Those who work in the care kitchen. All right. So many things are going on. 
Sister Allen wants to meet with you immediately after the morning service here at the front, on one of the sides here. So at, after the service, please meet with Sister Allen concerning the care kitchen. At this time, we're going to prepare to receive our morning's tithes and offerings, and at the same time as we pray, we want to remember those of our congregation who are in need of our prayers at this time, and I will call some names and ask you in your quietness of your heart to remember these folks. So let us just bow now for a time of prayer, just before we receive our offering. We need to remember Teresa Lee, that's Sister Rosie Roberts' sister. She's undergoing further blood tests tomorrow in the U.S. Also, Sister Rosie's niece, Jeanette, is having knee surgery tomorrow in the U.S. We need to remember Sarah Rogers, that's Darren and Kara's daughter, or Albert and Karen's granddaughter. She's in the hospital undergoing medical tests today. Sister Jan Sawyer is at home recuperating after knee replacement surgery. Brother Gary Lowe is home after having undergone emergency surgery last week. He's home recovering, recovering today. Brother Isa McKenzie is home, recovering after having undergone surgery on a broken leg. Marion Dutton, Commonwealth's mom, is out of hospital, but still in Florida, recuperating after a stroke. Dorothy King, Dorothy Abram King, that's Charlene Storch's mom, is still in the U.S. undergoing medical care. Those being treated for cancer, Misty Aubrey Hunt, Gloria Lowe, Donna Moxie, Taylor Sawyer, Carolyn Grundlin, Avis Monroe, and Janet Shahari. Our shut-ins, Gerald Aubrey, Pleasant Butler, Pastor Edgar Depp, Wilfred Jack Sr., Mervyn Lim, Viola Pender, Claude Smith, and Douglas Darling. Our family today is Alice Sands and our family. Our missionary today is Prayed Out and Deep Alley Mondel, serving with global outreach in India. In our ministry today is our senior choir.
Father, we, we bring these names before your throne, the throne of grace. And we realize that you know more about each of these individuals than we know. We just ask today that as they go through this times of difficulties, that they would know the presence of your Holy Spirit there with them. We just ask, Lord, that you would give them the strength to bear their burdens at this time. And we would ask that your will would be done in their lives, that your name would be uplifted and glorified. And now we come bringing our love offerings and our tithes and offerings to you. Lord, we just ask that as we give, we would give out of hearts of love that your kingdom would be extended here in our Bahama land. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, Brother Tillman. It's Christmas. The songs are around us, the decorations are here, and the smiles are upon your face. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And while you're turning, Brother Jerry forgot one announcement, but I'm glad he gave it to me. Teen Challenge has, is having their dollar day, and you can, there's a five-gallon container in the, in the foyer of the church, and you can drop your, uh, it doesn't have to be a dollar, it's called dollar days, but it's a five-gallon bucket, so you can put a five-dollar bill if you want, okay? But it is their dollar days, and um, you know the ministry of Teen Challenge and they do a wonderful work, so please remember that as uh, you leave the sanctuary this morning. Mark chapter 2. Now let's set the setting, get the setting here for just a moment. Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. He has began his earthly ministry here on earth. He has gone to the Sea of Galilee. He's gotten Simon. He's gotten Andrew, he's gotten James, the son of Zebedee, to be his disciples. And now they have embarked on a time of preaching, of ministry. And this begins at the age of 30, the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. He goes to a city called Capernaum. And there in the Capernaum, he goes into a synagogue. And as he reaches in the synagogue, there is a, always one around, you know, there was this one that was a heckler. And he was uh, possessed of the spirits, and they prayed, and they cast the spirits out of this individual. And then he went to Simon's mother-in-law's house, and there she was. You remember, she was sick of the fever, and he prayed for her and healed her. Then he journeys over to Galilee, and he begins to minister to her once again, minister to the people there, and they began to preach. They began to cast out demons, and they began to pray for the sick. We see in the latter part of chapter 1, verse number 32, I think. Yes, 32. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. In other words, the word is getting around. They've heard about the Messiah. They've heard what powers Jesus has, that he is God in flesh and here on earth. And now he's began his earthly ministry, and as he has done that, people are beginning to hear about him and begin to hear of the healings and all of the works that Jesus Christ has done. Then he goes to the Sea of Galilee. He continues to minister, to preach, to cast out demons. Then he goes to, and he, remember the, the guy who was, had leprosy? Jesus found him. He prayed for him. And at the last part of, verse number, of chapter number 1, it reminds us that people were coming to him from every quarter. People have heard about Jesus. They have heard of the work he's done. And now they're going forth and they want to see this man, Jesus. So now we pick it up in chapter 2. He's been to Capernaum. He's been to Galilee. Now he's returning back to Capernaum. Capernaum was known as his city. It was kind of his adopted city. This is where he did a lot of his ministry. So we read in chapter 2. And when he had returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. 
And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let him down, let the, down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question the things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose, and he immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We ain't never seen nothing like this. Right? Will you bow your heads? Father, we're so grateful for the reading of the Word of God. We ask right now, as you've done throughout this service, pour out your Spirit upon us, open our hearts and ears, just use me as a vessel, Lord, to speak the word that you have proclaimed this morning. In your name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. If I were to, I don't know if you read your bulletin, but it's a question. If I were to ask a, give a survey this morning and say, why did you come to church? What did you come to church expecting this morning? Well, most of you would say the spiritual thing, and most of you would be correct in saying it. We came this morning to worship, as Pastor Lee would say, the triune God. We're here to sing songs of praise. We're here to gather together. This morning was the Lord's Supper. We've come to eat at the Lord's Supper to remember Him. And most of us would be correct in saying this. This is why we have gathered here this morning to come and worship Jesus Christ. But do you really think that way every Sunday that you come to church? You know, if you're like me, I've been doing this, for, well, almost over 42 years. I did it nine months before I was even born. When Sunday morning comes around, what do you do? You got ready to go to church, right, Steve? It's just a habit within us. When Sunday morning comes, we get up, we put on our Sunday clothes, and we go to church. When Monday morning comes, if we work in construction, we put on our construction clothes, and we do what? We go to work. If we work in the hotel industry, we put on our hotel uniform and we go to work. If we work in an office complex, we put on our suits or whatever the attire is, we put it on, we go to work. Well, on Sunday mornings, I have been trained within my mind and through my parents and through my upbringing, whenever Sunday morning comes, I put on my Sunday clothes and I go to church at 9.30, a Sunday school, then I go to church, then we come back at 6.30, we used to come back on Wednesday night and various other times throughout the week. It's just something that has been instilled within us that we go to church on Sunday morning. But do I get up every Sunday morning and say, Lord, what are you going to do for me this morning? I should. 
But I'll be honest with you, I don't do that every Sunday morning. One, if you got kids like I got running around the house, you're trying to be insane or trying to stay sane. <laughs> well, you are insane, but you're trying to stay sane. You get what I say, right? Egan, where are you at? You know what I mean. But you're trying to get ready, get to go to church and prepare yourselves to go to the house of God to once you get in here, the kids are in the nursery, you worship God, right? But do we honestly think, Lord, why did I come to church this morning? Well, here in this story this morning, this man went to church. I don't know if he really knew, we're going to get into this a little bit, if he really knew that he was going to church, and once he got to church, if he nearly knew what was going to happen to him when he went to church. Now, our story begins, uh, um, talks about this man. The, old, uh, the King James Version said he was sick with a palsy. The word palsy is a word from where we get, in my in, in interpretation of the scripture this morning, the paralytic. It means to be loosened on one side. It indicates that because of some malfunction in the motor area of the brain or the spinal cord, his nerves had collapsed and his muscles were incapacitated. In other words, this man was handicapped. This man was paralyzed. This man was crippled. This man was dependent upon others around him to pick him up and carry him wherever he went. I don't know if it was from the waist down or if it was from the neck down. I haven't seen any writing on it. But in all cases, this man was paralyzed, at least from the waist down. And so he was dependent upon... He didn't have wheelchairs in those days. You know, you didn't have the wheels that you could push around. You didn't have motors that you could go. The only way you got from one place to another was if somebody came, picked you up, and took you to where you were going. So this man was totally dependent on others to carry him wherever he went. And the people all around him, the people all around him who were turning to God for other things, they were saying to this man, because of your sins, you deserve to be sick. Now in those days, it was thought that you, if you were sick, it was because of sin in your life. In other words, if you had a great sickness like this man, you had a greater sin. We talked about this, had a great debate about this in Sunday school this morning. If you were small sickness, it was just a small sin. But that's the way the thought was that day. If you were sick, you were paying the punishment of God because of your sin in your life. Now, I'm glad, Pastor Fowler, that's not true today. I think there is still some bit of sickness that goes along with our sin. But we all know that there's a lot of good people in this earth and that don't sin, that we don't think don't sin. We know that all of sinning comes short of the glory of God. But we know that there's other people out there I can't remember how to Brian say it this morning when he pointed at you. <laughs> you know that um, there's people over here that do all of the wrong things, that got, that got women all on the side, that drink, cuss, and do all the things, and they don't seem to get sick. Do we all know somebody like that? Now, if you're like me, you got someone in your family that you think that is just without sin almost. We know, like I said, all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. But I have my grandmother who, to me, I never saw sin, and I wondered if she ever did sin, but we all have that family member that we think in our life. I speak to you often about my granddaddy, who was a preacher, but really the backbone was his wife. When he was out cussing, drinking, all those things, she was in church. 
And she was the one that every Sunday would say, do you want to go to church with me? Sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't until he got saved. And then she was just the pastor's wife who sat over here, was a faithful attender. All she did was hosp hospitality and all the things that you think the, they were supposed to do at that time. But all she ever wanted in life was to have her own home and to have her own little garden in the back of her yard. But she never could have that because every five years or so, they would pick up, take the family, move to another location, pastor that church. Five years later, pick up, take to another location. She never owned her own home until they retired in the early 80s. She retired, got her own home. The church men helped build the home. There was prisoners that came out. They built them a nice little two-bedroom home. They had a front porch on the back, big old swing, nice screened-in back porch. And boy, she had a big garden right in the back. What she had always wanted all of her life. And then, four years later, she dies of cancer. Why? She's a good lady. She didn't have this sin in her life. But we all know this examples that this is the case throughout Scripture. We also read in the Word of God, in John chapter 9, that sickness is not always the result of sin. You remember Jesus, and he passed by, and he saw a man that was blind, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And what did Jesus say? It was not this man sinned, or not that his parents sinned, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So in this illustration, in this portion of the Word of God, sickness was not, the sin was not the result of the sickness. But in another passage we read, John chapter 5, Jesus says, afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, this was a man who was by the pool of Bethesda when Jesus dipped him into the water. Jesus saw him later in the temple and says, See, you, you are well. Then he says, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. So in this illustration, Jesus was saying, sin causes sickness. But in this illustration this morning, in Mark chapter 2, we read, we take it for granted that this man was convinced that his sin in his life had caused his sickness. So all of these were saying, you are sick, you have done an evil deed, and now God is punishing you for your sin. They thought that the more serious the illness, the worse the crime. They were saying that you should have been these same people that should have been offering words of encouragement to this man who was sick with the palsy. These same people that should have been offering words of hope to this man who was sick of the palsy was telling him, you are a sinner, you are sick, you might as well give up on life, you are finished. That's exa exactly what they were telling him. Give up. I preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ gives hope. Can you say amen? The gospel of Jesus Christ gives encouragement to everyone that will come and hear the name of Jesus. People say he or she is beyond salvation. They cannot convert that man. He's the worst sinner in town. He has all of the, the sweethearts in the world. He has all of the corrupt things. You cannot convert him. He's beyond salvation. You might as well count that individual finished. But I believe there is no one, absolutely no one, that is beyond the reach of Almighty God. If I thought that was the case, I would stop preaching. It would be fruitless for me 
to not preach the word of God. It would be irrelevant for me to study and pray that God would save a soul if I didn't believe that God could save the worst sinner in town. But God saves. God delivers his people. The only way that you can be cut off from God is to cut yourself off from God. The gift of salvation is there. So this man is convinced that there is no hope for his illness. This man is convinced that he needs to realize, number one, that his problem is not external, but that his problem is internal. The result is external. The result is this man is crippled. The problem, the source of the problem is within his heart. I believe the greatest desire for this individual was not to be healed, Brother David, but the greatest desire for this man was that his sins would be forgiven. That's the greatest desire of this man this morning. The source of the problem was sin. So now let's go to our illustration this morning. Let's go to Capernaum, God's Jesus city, where Jesus had just entered the home. I read to you scriptures that people were gathered all around. There was a crowd there. The word was out. Jesus was in the house. Jesus was preaching. Now, let's try to get a visual this morning. I wasn't expecting this. I was going to get out here. But anyway, let's try to get a visual this morning. This sanctuary is crowded. There's people all up and down the center of these aisles. There's people, there was no windows. There was just openings. People are hanging inside the window trying to peek in and to hear what Jesus has to say. People are gathered here with Brother Jerry and the choir law. People are all around. They're probably lined up. I hope they're not in Wilmar's Pharmacy because they might get towed away. <laughs> but people are all down the streets. And they're peeking in and they just want to hear what Jesus has to say. And then in the midst of all of this crowd, Jesus begins to preach. My, 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 what a sight that must have been to hear Jesus come into Capernaum, come into this house, and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's visitors all around. There's, there's disciples all around. But there was also doctors of the law. There was also theologians that were in the midst of them. Now, we go down. We're on Collins Avenue. What are we at? 60 what? Something Collins Avenue. We're right here on Collins Avenue. Now let's, let's go down the street. Let's go down to the intersection of Shirley Street and Collins Avenue, just across the street from Doctor's Hospital. What do we find down there? We find a man who is paralyzed. He's lying on a pallet. He is there on this pallet. Can't do anything for himself except just lay there and wait for somebody to bring him food or whatever. Now, there's four individuals there. Now, if you really think about it, those four individuals, I'm sure, that know, had heard that Jesus was in the house. So I'm sure they wanted to just individually go and come to hear what Jesus says. But these four individuals took it upon themselves and says, you know what? We have a friend here who is sick. This man has paralysis. This man cannot move his body. We have this man here. Now, I think if we could just get our friend to Jesus... You know what, Brother Ron, I think maybe something, you know, I've heard what he's been doing when he was here before. 
I heard what he do, did in Galilee. You know, I just think maybe if we get him to Jesus, you know, Jesus might just, might just heal this man. You know, oftentimes we come to church and we're concerned about ourselves. We're worried about getting ourselves to church. What we need to be worried about also, along with getting ourselves to church, is there somebody down the road who's not able to get to church? Is there somebody down the road that's not willing to come to church? We need to reach out to our young people, and we need to bring them into the house of God. We hear of all this crime and all this corruption that's going on in this nation. I mean, the, what, the, the record murder rate was broken this year. We need to get these people to the house of God. But, and here these people, these four men, were concerned about this one man who most people says, your, your problem is your own cause. You, 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 you are no use. You might as well give up. But these four men took it upon themselves, and they began to take this man to Jesus. If we could only get him to Jesus, you know, I, I think we might just be able, Jesus might just heal this man. Now, I don't know. It doesn't say if they told the man, hey, buddy, we're going to take you to Jesus. But they load him up, and they began their journey to the house of Capernaum. They began to walk from Shirley Street. And they go up, that would well, be a steep climb with a man, up that hill of Collins Avenue, wouldn't it? So they journey up Collins Avenue Hill. And they began to peer over and look over down the hill. And they can see down by Calvary Bible Church, the crowd that is beginning to gather. I, I don't know if this man knew where he was going. I don't know if they told him. But I imagine one of them was thinking, within their mind, one of these four men thought to themselves, you know what? We may be carrying this man to Jesus, but he might just walk back home to his house. We may be carrying him, but Jesus is in the house, and he may walk back. You have to realize the incredible faith that these men must have had. The scripture says, Jesus said it, because of their faith. If you didn't think that this man could be healed, what use was it? to even carry him, to begin the journey to carry this man to the house where Jesus was at. So this man must be thinking to himself, where are you guys taking me? And what I'm almost, I'll oh, just shut up and ride, buddy. We're going to take you somewhere. So they're carrying this, this man with paralysis, and they began to carry him down to the house where Jesus was. And people are crowded in the house. They're inside the house. They're outside the house. They're down the street. They're anywhere they could get an eye on Jesus to hear what Jesus was going to have to say. Then they began to ask the people around them. They get out here close to the church, and they began to go around, and, and, and they found a cloud of people, and they said, excuse me, excuse me, can we get by? Can we get by up there to Jesus? And they look at one another like, who's this man think he is? But look, we have a man who's sick. Well, if you wanted to get here early, you should have gotten here early, and you could have gotten a front row seat. You know, but you come in here after Jesus is already preaching and you want to just bully your way up to the front of the church and you, and you think you can just... I've seen some of you down at Potter's Key Dock on a Friday before Easter trying to get those snapper, right? Right? Brother Randy, you trying to get to the front of the line, they'll look at you, what? To the back, buddy. You wait your turn. Well, that's in essence what they were saying to this man. You want to get to Jesus? We want to get to Jesus as well. To the back of the line. It doesn't matter that your man is sick. You just get to the back of the line. 
Well, what do you do when you can't get through to Jesus? Oftentimes we come to church, we have a need within our heart, we have something within our mind that we need a blessing from God. We come, we worship God, but what happens? We don't get the blessing that we think that we ought to get. So next service we come, we pray up, we say, Lord, we know I need my blessing today. We come back and we sit in the sanctuary, we worship God, we do all the things we're supposed to do, and we think, I didn't get what I came for this morning. And this goes on and on and on and on. We think, how can I get to Jesus? What do you do when you can't get to Jesus? What does this man do whose body is wrapped in pain? This man whose every ounce of energy within him has been exhausted. His muscles are depleted and he has no life within him. What do you do when you can't get to Jesus? Do you give up? Do you throw in the towel and say, I've had enough? What do you do when you can't get to Jesus? But too many of us today have given up. We need to encourage one another not to get up, to give up. Why do we come to church? To encourage. Why do we come to church? To seek and ask. Why do we come to church? Sometimes we don't get what we want, but when we come to church, don't give up because God is in control and he has the keys to the kingdom in his hand. And when he's ready to deliver his blessing, we're going to see later on, he'll do it in God's timing. So we need to encourage one another not to give up. We need to talk about the good things that the Lord has done. So often we want to remind people, I didn't get what I came for this morning. We want to tell of how bad things are. And we forget to tell what good the Lord has done. We used to have testimony services. And I've seen them last all night where people go and tell what good the things the Lord has done. When I was back home and pastoring in Georgia, I used to love to go and sit with the old people and how they would tell you stories of how rough things were during the war and through different, some of them I think may, you know, the fish this big, but really, you know, they thought he was this big. You know, some of those stories may be exaggerated a bit, but it was encouraging to hear how God delivered his people and how God was faithful to his people. You know, I, I've heard them Talk about they would get that one hog that they, they didn't think they, and boy, in the South, they, they didn't waste nothing on a hog. There's an old saying, they ate him from the rooter to the tutor. They didn't waste nothing on a hog. And they were, they were thankful for a hog and when God delivered them. But we need to encourage one another. We need to tell what good God has done. And when we do this, we will be encouraged to not give up. But it's high time that we share that Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. We need to share to the young people that they don't need to cheat. They don't need to steal. They don't need to resort to crime to prosper in this society that we need to, that we live in today. The hope is within Jesus Christ himself. That we must put our faith in Jesus Christ. These men had all reason to give up. How many of you have gone to a place like this where you can't get in? What do you say? Forget it. I'm not going there. I'm not wasting my time. Some of you over probably in and, and Black Friday in the States, and you saw the lines. Uh, you know, I, I'm be honest with you, I think I'd rather pay the regular price than to get some of those deals that people are fighting over and trampling one another over. But we need to keep pressing on. We don't need to give up. We need to encourage one another. It's not time to give up, but I say this morning, it's time to rise up. If you need a blessing from God, my word says don't give up. You keep pressing till you get your blessing this morning. Amen? So the men 
They began to talk. And they began to look around. They are determined within them. The crowd is not going to let them through. They are convinced they're not going to get through this, this, this naughty crowd so they can get this man to Jesus. So one of them looks up on the outside of the building. Now, I've read, some say it's a one-story house, some say it's a two-story house, about 50-50, so I don't know. We don't have any conclusion. But for illustration, let's make it a two-story house this morning, okay? So on the outside of these houses, you would always have a staircase that would go up onto the roof of the house. The roof of the house was flat, and that was a time where people would go oftentimes in the afternoons, and they would rest, and they would relax, and they would enjoy the evening as the sun set on top of the roof of their house. What a lovely sight. So these men, one of them looks up, and he sees the staircase that goes up the side of the house. And the other guy on the back, he looks up, and he, ah, light bulb comes on. Staircase. How can we get to Jesus? Up the staircase. So one of them says, you think what I'm thinking? Yes, I'm thinking of what you're thinking. Let's go. Now, folks, think this in the mind. How many of you men ever been a pallbearer before? There's nothing, I mean, what's always the fear when you're a pallbearer? You're going to drop it, right? That that thing is going to get too heavy that you're going to drop it. Now, imagine these four men trying to carry this one man up the side of this building, up a set of stairs like this, one in a coffin, one something they could balance like this, probably on a pallet, they began to journey up this, this, this uh, staircase to get on top of this roof. Now remember, this man is paralyzed. You know, if you're trying, if somebody's trying to carry me, what am I going to do? When it starts leaning this way, I'm going to, you know, try to balance it out, you know? So this man can't balance out the pallet, the bed, as he begins his staircase, begins his journey up this staircase. So guarantee it wasn't a pretty picture it wasn't a glorious sight watching these men carry this man up this, um, uh, up this staircase to get to the roof on top of this house. But, you know, they're thinking in their mind, this man needs Jesus. This man needs a healing. We can fix the roof. We can, we can deal with his roof. I'm sure that, um, that this wasn't a glorious sight, but you ever thought maybe all of these disciples... All of these de deacons in this church, and here all of a sudden, these men come, and here's two deacons sitting on the front row, and Jesus is preaching. And all of a sudden, you hear, <laughs> and Brother Jerry, you know, all we're trying to do is have a little church. Right? Yeah. All we're trying to do in our Sunday clothes. Look at me. I got stuff all over me. These men are tearing a hole. You know, there's always one in the crowd, right? Yeah. What are these deacons thinking? Here we are trying to have a little church, but here there's your, these rebels upstairs inside on top of our roof, and they're trying to tear our church building up. Here they are trying to tear our roof up. Jesus is talking, and they, you know, what if somebody tried to do that to the prime minister? He'd be escorted right out, right? This is Jesus. They're interrupting Jesus. But I suggest that I have a feeling that we need to raise some roofs 
in 2010. We're fixing to go in 2011, and I think the Bahamas needs to raise some roofs among us. These are not regular times that we're living in. These are not normal times that we're living in these days. These are the times that Satan is trying to attack his people. The coming of the, of the Lord is near. We know that with Jesus, uh, that we know that when the end time has come, there's going to be these times within us that, that the Satan is going to try to do an onslaught on the house of God. And here we need to raise some roofs and let people know that Jesus Christ saves. And these men are messing up our roof. But I ask you, what's more important? A roof or a lost soul? What's more important? The house of God, even though we're supposed to obey it? But sometimes we have to raise roofs to save one soul. But you have to realize, many people, Christians would not be able to get that man from that roof down to Jesus. You know why? Brother Errol, many Christians can't cooperate long enough to get a man from the roof down to Jesus. Well, I think we ought to, you know, take a rope and we ought to just lower him down. You do a little on your... No, no, no. I think we ought to take it this way. You know, let's, let's, let's get this... And let's, let's lower it. No, no, no. Let's, let's do it. No, no. Let's do it my way or else I'm out of here. Right? No cooperation. But these four men, I didn't say, don't get me wrong. I didn't say they agreed. We don't always agree. We don't always think we ought to sing hymns. We don't all think we should sing praise and worship. We don't always think the air conditioner ought to be to 50 or the air conditioner ought to be on heat this morning. We don't always agree, but we have to work together. We have to go in cooperation. When we come into the house of God, there has to be cooperation amongst the saints of God. But if Jesus is your Savior, and Jesus is my Savior, and we worship one God, then we all are family of the God. And we have to work in unison. But finally, this man is lowered down to Jesus. And everyone knows, as this man is being lowered down, that what this man needs is healing. He's paralyzed. They've seen him down on Shirley Street. They know what his problem is. This man needs a touch of God. And, but he's lowered down. And all of a sudden, this man comes down with these four men. And all of a sudden, he's laid right before the eyes of Jesus. And as he reaches Jesus, he says to him, Son, wouldn't that be something? You get to Jesus and he calls you son. He didn't call you Frankie. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is the first occasion on record in the ministry of our Lord on which we are told that he declared a man's sins to be forgiven. But this is the central theme of Christianity. This is what Jesus is all about. That of saving souls. This man is sick, they said. This man needs healing. This man needs a touch of God. But the Bible says man looks on the outward, but God looks on the inward side. Man is looking at the physical element, but God is looking at the sin within the life. And Jesus answered not what it looked like, but 
what it was. Jesus knew the source of the problem, and Jesus didn't mess around with healing him. Jesus got to the problem, and he forgave the man of his sin. Jesus knows, knew this man needed forgiveness of sin. When Jesus was predicted by his mother to be the son of God, it says in Matthew chapter 1, She shall bear a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. John chapter 1, verse number 29, John is baptizing by the, by the river Jordan, and Jesus comes and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Many base their ministry on prosperity. Many base their ministry on you become a Christian, you can be prosperous in life. You can be wealthy in life. You can have all of the riches and gold that man desires. And many base their, their, their ministry on healing. I'm a healing minister. But folks, the main ministry, the central gospel of Jesus Christ is that Jesus came to save the lost. And that's what this man, Jesus, did for this man. Jesus is able to forgive sin. And if he wasn't able to forgive sin, I would stop preaching this moment. I don't need prosperity. I don't need healing. Just give me my soul's salvation and let me know I'm going to live with Jesus forever. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. But watch this. We're closing. Watch this. These Pharisees and these doctors, they began to talk. Verse number 7. Go back to your Bibles. I hope you hadn't closed them. Verse number 7. You did, didn't you? Verse number 7. Why? I want you to see this. I've read it to you, but I want you to look at it again. Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Then they asked the question, Who can forgive sins? But God alone. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right question, wrong question. The question was right. The answer was wrong. Who can forgive sins? Only God. Can the preacher forgive sins? Can Calvary Bible Church forgive sins? Can a denomination forgive sins? Who can forgive sins? God and only God forgives sins. But the problem was, they didn't know who Jesus was. They heard what he was doing. He was preaching. He was casting out demons. He was healing the sick. But they didn't know that he was God in the flesh. That Jesus came to forgive sins. If you say that someone is forgiven sins, that's invisible. You can't see that. That takes place within the heart. That takes place within the soul. You cannot see forgiveness of sins. But if I say, get up and walk, and they get up and walk, that's visible. You can see that. Jesus was taking their own ammunition, and he was shooting it at them. The scribes had a doctrine that the only way that you could get healing in your body was to, forget, to get forgiveness of sins. So in fact, Jesus, in effect, Jesus was saying, all right, I'll prove my power to forgive sin in the realm of the invisible by showing you my power in the realm of the visible. Verse number 8. Go slowly with me this one. And immediately, immediately, not in a minute, not in a second, immediately Jesus perceiving in their spirit. Back up. They were questioning where in their hearts. They didn't say 
this man's blaspheming. It was in their hearts. Jesus didn't hear that, but he perceived it within his spirit. Perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And you know what he did? He picked up his bed. This man whose body was ravaged with pain all of these years, this man whose body, whose muscles had been shrunk, he had no muscles. He had no strength within him. He had no life within him. All of a sudden, this man gets up. Not only that, very nicely, rolls his bed up. If I would have been a paralytic and been on that bed all my life, I probably wouldn't want the bed. Just leave the bed. I'll get me a new bed. But he rolled his bed up, and he went home. Now, sometimes you've got to read a little bit into the Scripture. They didn't put him on the pallet grab the ropes and take him back up. You remember the crowd? Can I get through? No, you can't get through. Can I get through? No, you can't get through. Can you get through over here? No, you can't get through. Now this man rolls up his bed and what happens? The man walks and he goes home healed by the power of God. Why did you come to church this morning? Did you come looking for a blessing? You know, you may come looking for a blessing this morning, but you may leave here with sins forgiven. What would you rather have? A blessing or forgiveness of sins? But it all hinged on four men who had incredible faith. It's split on when Jesus says their faith. Don't know if it's the four men or if it's four men plus the paralytic. But four men had faith to take this man to Jesus. Thinking, thinking first and foremost that he was going to be healed. But before he was healed, he was forgiven of his sin. Many of you come to church week after week after week after week. You come looking for a blessing. But oftentimes, your blessings not today, but maybe your blessings tomorrow. I heard this analogy, this illustration, one of my favorite preachers. He talked about the birds, and I've seen this as I sat on my father-in-law's property in Spanish Wells. Sit on the beach in the end, late in the afternoon. You watch those birds as they come in far off and all of a sudden boom they hit that water and as they come up they got a fish in their mouth but you see the fish is here the bird just didn't come in and say pow because the bird fish is moving right the fish is swimming along like this the bird is gauging within him he has a radar within him and that bird begins to go and he puts his radar on that fish and he begins his descent, not where the bird is, but where the, where, the, where the fish is, but where the fish 
it's going to be. Many of you will receive a blessing, not where you are, but where you're going to be. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't lose your faith because your blessing is coming. So I ask you again, why did you come to church this morning? Eleanor, did you come because you wanted to bring Steve? You know, Steve, he's been giving me a hard time this week. Lord, you got to do something with this man. He's driving me nuts. Did you, is that why you brought Steve this morning? So the Lord would straighten Steve out? Preacher, I came to church this morning because I want to be a blessing to Calvary Bible Church. I've been praying and I want to be a blessing. I want to shower my blessings upon Calvary Bible Church. God is speaking to you as well. God is speaking to you as well. God is speaking to Eleanor just as much as she's speaking to Steve this morning. Preacher, I come to church this morning because 17 shop had a nice sale and I want the sisters to see me in my new dress this morning. You know, you may come to show off your dress, but you may leave with your sins forgiven. That's the way Jesus works. The musicians want to come. Folks, listen to me. I want to challenge you something this morning. It's Christmas. Christmas is all around us. There's going to be people who come to church in the next few services. Next Sunday night, there's a Christmas cantata. There's going to be a lot of people who come to church for to hear the Christmas cantata. They do it year after year. They don't come to church on a regular basis, but they come into church to hear a Christmas cantata. And you know what? They may come to church to hear a cantata, but they may get saved. That's the purpose of the cantata. Not to hear talent. The purpose of the cantata is that the gospel will go forth. People are going to come to a watch night service because they think you're supposed to go to church before the end of the year. They may come watch night. They may come Easter. That might be it through the year, but they may come that one time and they may find Jesus. That's my challenge to you this morning. When you go to church, don't just be concerned with yourselves, but bring those from the highways and byways into the house of God. When you go to church and you don't get all that you want, don't give up because your blessing may come. When you go to church, when you go into the house of God, we need to all come and work together. I came this morning a sinner saved by grace. But you know what? I needed Jesus this morning more than ever before. I'm here because I want Jesus to be glorified and I need to worship my Lord and Savior this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You came to this church this morning just because it was your routine. But you say, I need forgiveness of my sins. I need a blessing from God this morning. I'm not going to ask for hands this morning, but I just want to pray a prayer for everyone. You pray within your heart, Lord, I need my sins forgiven. Lord, this morning, you know the need in my life, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, 
whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, you know my need this morning, Lord. And if it's your timing, I receive my blessing at this moment. Lord, I now have a new perspective of why I go to church this morning. Yes, I want to sing. I want to worship. I want to praise God. I want to hear the word of God preached. But Father, I come this morning because I need you more than ever before. In your precious name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Brad, for reminding us of why the Savior came, ultimately to forgive us. But he went about doing good while he was here on earth, and that story is more than just a story. It's true, what he did with the paralytic. And we're going to recount some of those things that he did while on earth as we sing our closing song. Number 33, but you don't have to turn to it because it will be in, on the screen. But as we sing that song, we're going to receive our benevolent offering, uh, which is done the first Lord's Day of each month. So if you want to participate in helping to meet the needs of uh, hurting Christians at this time, uh, we know that there's a lot of pain and uh, a lot of trials and stuff going on today. This is an opportunity to be a further blessing as we sing our closing song, Who Is He in Yonder Stall? Let's stand together as we sing. Who is he in yonder stall at whose feet the shepherds fall? Who is he in dignity dress, fasting in the wilderness? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. Thank you. 
servants while we live here on this earth. And it is our prayer that as we go about our daily lives, we may proclaim that Jesus Christ is the one who came to heal the sick, to save the lost, and he is the only one. So as we leave this place today, May we go knowing that we serve a risen Savior. And we thank you for the opportunity to be called children of a most high God. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.